0: Welcome to Paradigm Shift, the podcast about the intersection of business and law. By changing yourself, you can change your business. Now, here's your host, Christina Martini. Welcome to Paradigm Shift. My name is Christina Martini, and I'm your host as we explore the intersection of business and law. Today, we are going to continue our conversation with a wonderful friend of the show and return guest, Amy barnard Bond. She is an incredibly accomplished author, executive coach, and thought leader who is here to continue our conversation about the Promotability Index Leadership Self-Assessment Tool, which she developed last year, as well as the PI Guidebook, which accompanies the Promotability Index. It is my pleasure to welcome Amy barnard Bond back to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. So we had a jam-packed first segment where we were talking about your new book and the promotability index, which you had developed in the guidebook that supplements it and the factors that are critical in promotability. And we ended our conversation talking about mentoring and how sometimes not all managers are mentors. And I think a great way for us to kick off the second segment is to really take that conversation a step further. As not all managers are mentors, not all managers are leaders. I'd love to get your comments on that and why really understanding and accepting that is really important for people who are trying to succeed and continue along a trajectory of success and
1: promotability. Sure. I'm happy to. What you just said is so true that Not all managers are leaders. You know, managers are people who have authority over other people, but they, in my opinion, they're not investing in those people. And one of my favorite quotes is from Jack Welch that sums that distinction up for me. And he said, Before you're a leader, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others.
0: That's really profound and incredibly. Accurate, and I think it's it actually escapes a lot of people.
1: Yeah, there are many managers who should not be. I, I don't think if you don't appreciate the immense. I, I think it's a. I personally think it's a privilege and a huge responsibility and burden to lead and manage other people. And so, if you are not prepared for that, both emotionally and in terms of the amount of effort the level of effort you're going to put into that i don't think you should do it so i have pretty strong opinions about it of course you know that there are people out there but it is very different and it's one of the it's one of the biggest shifts for professionals is when they begin to manage other people because you realize that everything you learned up to that point is almost useless and uh, it can be a big shock to people because you're technical you've been promoted for your technical skills all along and you've been rewarded and then suddenly boom oh my gosh it's about other people and their needs and what how are you going to prioritize that how are you going to give helpful feedback how are you going to help divide up responsibilities fairly in terms of who gets visibility especially in the zoom environment right so there's there's all of that and there's just so much more to think about i personally find it exciting and and wonderful and that's why i did it mm-hmm. and and i saw as a chro you know i i would often have managers that were not putting all in and and in hr we tended to you know know who was doing it, who was respected and loved and where employees would just walk off a cliff for this person you know because they felt so loyal and Heard and supported, and like they were always learning new skills, and they just trusted their boss so much. And then we knew the people that that were uh, the managers. The the team was just kind of limping along. wasn't putting in the discretionary effort. Didn't feel cared for. Felt the manager was only out for themselves and only cared about how good they looked. Mm -hmm. And and was punishing often. I'm generalizing here, but there are managers out there who terrify their employees. So their employees don't they stop giving them information that they need to do their job, frankly, which only lasts for so long usually in terms of success for that leader. Right. Unless they're the CEO and they can get away with it longer uh, like it or not if they're the CEO, but if they are, you know, a mid-level manager and they're doing that, it, it's, uh, it's just dysfunctional for the whole team. You want a team, you know, an effective team is a trusting team they know how to handle conflict productively they are committed to outcomes they are accountable to each other for those outcomes and they get results so to me those five things make up an effective team and so a leader a true leader or manager who you know wants to move into being a leader needs to focus on those things
0: yeah you really framed it very succinctly and in a way that i think really resonates And I I, I have found that to be true, particularly among high-performing teams that I've been a part of over the course of of my career. So sometimes things go swimmingly and you've got a high-performing team that's hitting it on all cylinders, but sometimes either individuals or teams may get sidetracked or tripped up or derailed. You know, you and I spoke about this the last time that we chatted last year, and I had asked you this question and was wondering how you would frame your answer in the context of the PI and the PI guidebook, which is where do your clients sometimes find things don't go as planned and they either get tripped up or derailed? And how does the PI and PI guidebook um, help them to navigate these challenges?
1: I would say it's, it's usually with stakeholders. It's usually with someone having either a negative experience with, with someone or uh, having a perception. I recently coached an executive who was being blocked for promotion, even though they were the number one salesperson Mm -hmm. in their, in their region. And they couldn't, they couldn't figure out why. And after working with them for a couple months and doing a feedback review with them, I, I found that the boss two levels up had been uh, given negative feedback by some people who were very senior and had been laid off in in kind of a a, a transition in that company. And they had given negative feedback about my client on their way out the door. These were tenured employees. These are people who had been around a long time. And I think they resented kind of the young upstart coming in. And my client is a, a you know an amazing charismatic strong-willed you know execution oriented person and so what we needed to what what the the perception that this guy had been left with who held control over the promotion was that my client was a, a lone wolf and couldn't work with people and had to be the star and had to have all the attention And, and this kind of thing. And that actually wasn't true. His team loves him. He's an amazing mentor. So I knew that it was a perception issue and we were able to, to work through that. So some of the, the areas and perceptions and, and how others perceive you in external awareness in the PI guidebook are what we worked on together. And over the next three months, we made sure we had a visibility plan with him in terms of what was he saying at meetings? And this is all on zoom too, right? So we had that to deal with as well. It's a little harder than when you're able to be in person with people. So the time that you do have with people to make an impression can be even more important. And he was careful to contribute, but listen more. Mm -hmm. And and it was tough for him because people were so used to him talking so much that they would literally say, Hey, you're quiet. What's going on? What's wrong? They literally would say in meetings. And so we had to come up with, we came up with a script for that because I said, this is what part of what you need to change. This is what unfortunately is contributing to this negative perception. Sounds like a great thing, right? Everybody wants to hear what you have to say. Well, in this case, we realized it was actually hurting him because that guy was on the phone. He's right. Like, oh, here we go. Here we go again. He's <laughs> going to take over the conversation. Not fair, right? Right. He was being he's being asked to contribute. This is what happens. So, he he would say, nope, I'm good." You know, unless he did have something. I'd say just, you know, pick just something if it's really important, of course, yes, share it. But if it's uh eh, if it's like on a scale of 1 to 5 and 5 being really important, if it's 3 or below, don't say it for the next 3 months. Right. And there were a few other things that we did, but that's one example. And so he's like, oh, so guess what the perception was? He's, lis- he's listening more. He's more of a team player. He's letting other people speak. Isn't that interesting? But just, just small shifts like that you know, can really change people's perceptions if they know you're working on it. Of course, this boss knew he had me as a coach. Mm. I had gotten his feedback. I said, great, thank you. We're going to be working on this. Please tell him call him out when he's, when he's doing well, like catch him, catch him in the act of doing good. Right. And, and if he's, you know, doing something that you think is, is still consistent with some of this, the behavior that you believe is unbecoming of a future executive also, please tell him. So I got that commitment from him. And that's something that a coach can do and broker for you that can be more difficult to do on your own
0: that is really great advice and a great anecdote and it's actually a great segue into my next question which is the pi guidebook i can tell our listeners from my own experience is a really amazing tool and i'm really looking forward to delving into it in even greater detail than i already have and obviously can really bring these concepts and these exercises to try to improve oneself you know, really into, you know, into your home and is a very quick way to get going on your path to success and promotability. The question I've got is, um, and this is coming from the frame of reference of having myself worked with a number of executive coaches over the years, when should our listeners start seriously considering enlisting an executive coach. I I think there are a number of reasons why people are hesitant to do it. A lot of people, it's a cost issue. Some people, it's a perceived time commitment issue. For others, they're worried about the confrontation either, you know, and it's really, in my experience, it isn't like this combative relationship at all. It's a very gentle sort of of, of a shift that over time aggregates in a very meaningful way. But I think some people are really worried about them, you know, having to look themselves in the mirror, so to speak. But when should our listeners really start seriously considering enlisting an executive coach?
1: I'd say that falls into two buckets for me. One is when you're not getting the growth you want on your own, when you feel like you've done everything you can to get ahead and and you're not getting ahead and there's an obstacle or something that... That you're just not able to get over, and maybe you know what that is, but maybe you don't, right? You feel stuck, so that's one reason. And then the, the other reason I would say is if you've been given feedback that you will not be advanced in your organization without working on this or that behavior or improving this or that, that's the other time to get a coach. And I would, you know, I only work with I'm, my clients are sponsored by their by their organizations, so it's it's available. I think some people don't know to ask. And if you if you're valued at your organization, um, it's a great thing to go to HR or your boss and just say, "Hey, I'd really like to take it to the next level. Um, do you sponsor? Would you sponsor me for executive coaching?" And I'd say a good bit of the time, the answer is yes. Luckily, coaching has has shed its you know formally was considered to be only for people who had serious you know issues. I'm pleased that I think we've entered a much more enlightened age where people realize that, number one, every great CEO has a coach, period. So if you just think about that and they're talking about it more and that's it's in the media a lot more. So if you just think about that, then why, you know everybody can benefit from a coach. If CEOs have them, they've obviously already been pretty successful. But, you know, I mean, Richard Branson has a coach. Jack Welch had a coach. Like, you know, all these very successful people. So that's important to keep in mind. And, um, I had a coach with every large promotion or, or, uh, job that I had, especially first 90 days, it can be important to make sure you're focused on the right thing and to have a safe sounding board. And I would agree with you, Tina. I, when you said combative, I thought, who is she talking about? Cause I, cause it's never, ever been uh, combative. For me, you know for me, a coach is one hundred percent in support of of the client, even though it's the company that's that's paying. And I have an airtight confidentiality clause with my um, organizations that I work with, because otherwise, if it's not confidential, it's not a safe space for me to work with someone directly. And that's the whole point. And then there's there's no point in hiring me. you could just work with with H R. Um, But that's why a lot of people, like it or not, don't like to work with internal HR coaches because they are concerned that it's not kept confidential and that it will be used in those talent review sessions that we talked about in our first session together. You're absolutely right. And I've seen coaching in a
0: number of shapes and forms. The coaching that I've happened to do has been coaching that I've sort of sought out myself rather than being Mm -hmm. company-sponsored. And I've worked with several different coaches over the years. You know, each of them, when you compare them to the other, very different styles, men, women. And, you know, I have to say that it, it's been a great experience working with coaches. And I would highly recommend among our listenership that if folks really are able and in a position where they can engage an executive coach or at a, or at a company where there's a willingness by their team or by their hr department to help them get into coaching i think it's a wonderful experience and something that i would very highly recommend
1: well, i'm glad you had a good experience yeah and i did I did, I did too so yeah it really i'm still great friends with with my former coaches and I'm so grateful to them for being there for me and helping me see things that I didn't see and see around corners. So switching gears just a little bit, we've talked a lot about leadership,
0: about promotion, your promotability index, and the guidebook, putting that all together in your experience, being coached as a coach and doing consulting and being in the C-suite at a number of really you know, top tier organizations, what is your number one tip for for those of our listeners who really want to initiate a conversation about a promotion with whoever their
1: manager or leader may be? I'd say my number one tip, and I see this mistake made a lot, is to separate it from the compensation discussion. Mm-hmm. It's It's really important that that the look back, I think of compensation um, is as a look and, and performance evaluations as a look back over what happened in the past and what can we learn from that and how are we gonna be rewarded or not for that performance, right? And then promotions proactively are developmental discussions that should happen separate from that look back. It should be a forward look like, hey, you know I'd love to have more responsibility. This is where I think I am I can be helpful to the organization and to our team's goals. You know, what do you think, what would I need to do to get there? And I would, so I'd recommend picking a time far away from compensation. Usually most organizations that's first quarter at to the end of the first quarter I know bonuses for, for um, companies that work on a fiscal year, calendar year, it's usually around February, March that they're distributed. Mm-hmm. So, If that's the case in your company, then I would say, you know, pick your timing really well. Sometimes summer, which is a little more chill, can be a great time to have a conversation with your boss. Because, again, there's not that pressure of the performance review and compensation for your manager, which, by the way, most managers hate that discussion. They dread it. They know not everyone's going to be happy. They've only got 3% to spread across however many people, you know, or whatever it is. And, and it's, it's just, it's a tough one. So pick your time, keep it a discussion and not a negotiation. I think a lot of people think of it as a combative fight. Like I have to fight for myself. I I hear that a lot. I'm like, Oh no, 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 don't, don't go in that way. Then like, you're likely to lose that you're making it a power struggle. Like guess who's going to win? You know, I mean, it needs to be. You want to come across as professional and uh, with gravitas, and with someone, yes, who's advocating for themselves. So, don't get me wrong; you do need to advocate for yourself, but there are ways to do it that are effective, and ways that are that are not effective. And every culture is a little different on that. But creating a safe space for your manager to give you the candid feedback that you need to get ahead is is really important because you need to understand how your boss and the power structure at your organization views you as a leader and whether they view you as a leader or an up-and-comer or not, to know whether you have a shot at promotion in that culture. And if you can create a safe space to get that information, then you have the power to do something with it, even even if it's disappointing, even if it's not what you'd want to hear. I see a lot of, I see also, Tina, too many people that um, had one client who was very, very angry, who had not gotten promoted and felt like she was hitting her head against a wall and I had interviewed her boss and I could tell from speaking with him that there was never, ever going to be a promotion for her. Wow. There are a couple of reasons for that. One is the company wasn't big enough to have another, in this case, associate general counsel. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd been the company a long time, done great work. Her clients loved her. Like she just couldn't figure it out, but they just weren't going to create another AGC. Period. At that company, and all the ones that were in them were mid-career, had no plans to retire or leave. It's a very old-school company with great stock and equity that's given out, and people just—it's one of the rare companies that has very low turnover Mm -hmm. um, in the in Silicon Valley. And so, the good news about that is we then were able to have the discussion around okay, so that's probably off the table here. So, do you want to? become happy with what you have because you have a lot. And we talked through that. She loved her team. She knew the culture. She was revered. Her clients loved her. She knew everything about the culture. You know, she was getting paid really well. She was set financially. It was just this one thing, this job title that was bugging her. And she's decided, I said, you can do that or you you can leave. Like you've got amazing credentials, tons of tech companies in the Valley. Let's look, you know, look there, you can start looking and, and having conversations. And she decided, you know, at the end, towards the end of our coach, she said, you know what? I, I am happy. I've got everything I need. I, I am lucky, you know, and that's great. And then this is a, a fun twist to the story. I'd say about a year after we finished our coaching, I saw on LinkedIn that she had accepted a role as a uh, general counsel at, oh wow! <laughs> at a at, right at a top tech company that that I won't name, but you would all—if any of you have ever gotten a ride from someone that wasn't someone you knew—you would know <laughs> you would know who they are. And Can't think of who that could possibly be, right? You got two choices, and so—and um, I was like, "You go, girl!" You know, that's awesome. And I sent her a note, and I said, "Okay." So, you know, something came up. She said, yeah, I was, I was happy for a while. And then this opportunity came up and it's amazing when you put yourself out in the universe in the right way, stuff can happen. You know, I'm a firm believer in that. And that's, that's what the PI is about too. You start taking some actions on some of this stuff. I think your whole presence changes and people kind of sense your conversations are a little different and cause you're investing in yourself and that's exciting. Like it makes you a more interesting person. It makes you someone to watch. People look up to you potentially as a mentor. It's just, it's just neat. So that that was one of my favorite surprises of, of one of my clients.
0: You know, I really love that story for so many reasons. And, you know, the one that really Like, as you were talking about the twist to the story, it's really interesting. My guess is that she wasn't looking and that it was something that really just sort of serendipitously crossed her path. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she was in the right mental place and emotional place to
1: take, you know, to leverage that opportunity. I love what you're saying right now because you're reminding me of something I didn't mention. Don't interview when you're angry. (laughs) (laughs) When you're angry or you hate your current company, it comes across. As an as someone who used to be, you know, I did recruiting, I did everything, and all the all the things in HR, and then I hired attorneys, you know, for general counsel offices and all that, uh, as an attorney too. And oh my gosh, you don't think it does, but you've got to come to peace with where you are before, usually before the next opportunity can be taken with with a total open heart and mind. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and even no, no matter
0: how you try to hide it, if you've got this hostility that's sort of boiling over under yeah, the surface. People, yeah. people, even if they don't see it, they feel it and they just,
1: and it's palpable. And it's, I feel bad because of course you might be upset and, and sad or angry at your company. And, and, and that's legitimate, but unfortunately the new company can often feel that. And they're like, Ooh, you know, what happened to that company or, or this person has a negative ad- worse. They think you have a negative attitude. You might normally be a very sunny happy person, but you know, you're just going through a rough time right now that happens to everyone. So you want to show your best self.
0: Right. Absolutely. Our time together is really quickly evaporating. So I've got a couple more questions I'd love to get in real quick. So you've mentioned a few of these already during our time together, but I would love to hear from you
1: whether you've got a favorite leadership quote. Oh gosh. Yes, I do. And it relates to everything that we've been talking about today. So it's a perfect question, Tina. Um, it's from Peter Drucker Mm -hmm. and it's in his, his amazing, um, book managing oneself, which I highly recommend to anyone to read. It's, it's remarkably insightful. Um, and his quote is you should not change yourself, but create yourself. And that means build around your strengths and remove your bad habits. Oh, I love that. That is really awesome. And that's really what coaching is. Coaching is helping people do that, right? So I love that too, because it also just like, well, if you can do it on your own, great, do it on your own, right? But it's just like, you know, I don't know, losing 50 pounds or, you know, getting in super shape or, you know, becoming a great cook. But sometimes you need someone to, to help teach you. And that's where coaching comes in. That's a great quote.
0: So another question, and I know I asked you this, um, you know, when we last spoke about a year ago, and I'd love to ask you this one again, especially for those of our listeners who maybe didn't have the opportunity to, to hear our chat last year, one, and it's a question I always ask my guests and it's, if you were able to go back in time and talk to your younger self about what your life experience
1: and professional experience has taught you, what would that be? great question and there's so many answers i could give but i think the one i'll give today is to be to get really good at receiving feedback because it's the only way to improve and it's the only way to again increase your self awareness and it's it's not easy it's really hard actually so i wish someone had told me earlier look you've got to get actually good at hearing this You know, and then doing something with it. I mean, I don't mean just like just listening and sitting there, absorbing it, processing it. Is it from a trusted source? Do I agree? Do I not agree? Is it is it still important? You know, what action do I want to take from this? Um, There's a great book that's helpful. It's called Thanks for the Feedback um, by Sheila. Let's see, Sheila Heen, Mm -hmm. and it's a great book around that delves much deeper than than we can today around why it's so important to get good at this skill for your whole life. So I just actually looked it up. Yeah. It's, I think
0: it's Douglas stone and Sheila Heen. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, it's funny as we're, as we're talking, I'm like adding books to my (laughs) cart on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's going to be a, a big checkout a
1: today. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I hope you like it. You know, because I was afraid of it. I mean, look. Let's face it. When you're wet behind the ears and you're a young kid coming up, you're trying to prove yourself, and you know it's a threat. It feels like a threat and an attack if someone says, "Well, I don't think you do this very well," or "You know, this wasn't a good presentation," or "You need to redo this," or "You didn't hear what I." You clearly didn't hear what I said. I'm, I'm giving feedback in a way that I would, you know, that I wouldn't want to get it, but this is have some managers give feedback, right? And it can be um, crushing as a as a, a young person or a mid-career person to to do it. But the earlier you can get better at just being like, okay, great, you know, how can I do better next time? like if if you're if you're an achiever, it's you're gonna or a perfectionist, you know, or you know, which I've which are things that I've dealt with for for myself and my personality. Just learning to swallow your ego, separate the work from you as the person. And say, okay, this is information. This is just data about some work that I did. And it's helpful, like really reframing. Okay, I'm disappointed. I, of course, I would have loved to have gotten an A, you know, from my boss on this. I didn't. So, okay, I'm going to give my, What I'll give you this tip. Another thing I'd say is so don't grade yourself on the feedback you got. Grade yourself on your response.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Say, okay, I got a C, you know, in, in on this or a D or an F, whatever it is from my boss, but I'm going to respond with an A player mentality. And I'm going to get an, I'm going to give my, I'm going to earn an A to myself around how I respond. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to, you know, evaluate, figure out how I missed whatever it was, you know, learn what I need to learn. And then my response is what really counts that can help you get out of the the quagmire of oh my god i'm not smart enough or i'm not good enough or i don't belong here or, you know the the imposter, the imposter syndrome or just just not being nice to yourself and we can be really really cruel to ourselves you know for for mistakes or issues and attorneys especially you know we're we're really hard on ourselves and and usually everyone around us too <laughs> we've been you know we've been trained to judge and to analyze and so I I would say these are, these are things that, that, uh, that I wish I had, had worked on earlier. I'm so grateful that, that I got into coaching because I've been able to really deep dive into it a lot more than help people with it.
0: That's awesome. So what's next for you and for your
1: business? Gosh, just coaching more great clients and doing uh, some board work. I, I just joined a, a university board of trustees, and I really enjoy working with corporate boards and doing retreats and strategic planning. And I'll continue to write as well. I have a, a couple other articles that I'll be writing for for Harvard Business Review. I wrote one on pay inequality and how to how to make sure that that you're paying people um, equitably, and that was fun. And then how to deliver bad news. I can't remember if I sent that one to you, but but that was a fun one for Fast Company. And I do some graduate school teaching. I'm doing some for the Fletcher School and um, Stanford and, and uh, UC Berkeley Haas. So just some fun, fun you know, one on one, and then some group work, and then writing and sharing, and just trying to make the work world easier and better and more successful for everybody is and more fun. I hope is is for uh, really my goal.
0: Well you know on behalf of our listeners and everybody who has been touched by you you're such an amazing person amy and you're so incredibly generous and caring and thoughtful and you know we wish you the very best and would love to hear from you if you've got any final thoughts and about where our
1: listeners can find you oh thank you well it's it's been a great conversation for me i love feedback so please put your feedback in the chat for me and Tina or any questions. Uh, You're welcome to connect with me. Please do on LinkedIn. I love connecting with folks. I'm also in a, in a more moderate way on Twitter and Instagram at Amy BB. That's A M I I B B. And then on Instagram at Barnard bond. And then my website has all kinds of free resources. I have an entire section, every article. Um, I, I write for compliance week i write for the association of corporate counsel um a number of of, of places other than just you know hbr since attorneys um, and compliance professionals are a key special passion for me um, and those are all at barnardbond.com on my website under resources amy thank you so much
0: i really have loved our conversation we could have talked for hours and unfortunately only had An hour. And I so look forward to having you back on the show again
1: soon. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, Tina. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Paradigm Shift. We hope that
0: you've enjoyed part two of our conversation with Amy barnard Bond, and that you will join us next week for our latest conversation. I am your host, Christina Martini. Please look for our weekly episodes every Tuesday. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please visit us at www.paradigmshiftshow.com. We would love to hear from you. Please look for new episodes of Paradigm Shift every Tuesday.